What is going on? Welcome into the Sharp Angle Podcast. How's everyone doing out there today? Thanks for joining us on a Friday, Friday the 15th. How's your week? You getting through the week? Looking forward to a big weekend ahead? Hopefully that's the case. We got a, we got a lot of games coming up this weekend. We got football, basketball, hockey, soccer. No shortage of uh, games coming up this weekend. So what we'll do on today's show, like we do every Friday, is Deep Dive Friday. So we'll pick one game out and do a deep dive on those games. And I think that it's really important to do a deep dive, uh, at least one deep dive show a week, because I've said this before, I'll say it plenty of times again. If you're getting your picks out there from people on Twitter or other radio shows or blogs or websites, whatever, you should understand how they do their job, how they do their process. Because anybody can open up ESPN, say, ah, this team sucks, this team's great, I'm going to take the favorite. Handicapping on Twitter, or, or it seems like these days, if you go on blogs, it seems, you know, just like the information, it's just, it's just quick. You want to get on, see who people like, and then get out. Honestly, short-term winning streaks, losing streaks, doesn't mean a goddamn thing. What matters is the is the process you use and the system you use, you know? Um, I've said this again. You think that the the blackjack tables in Las Vegas have a bad night? They close the table down? No, because they understand they have the edge. Every every person who sits down at a blackjack table is theoretically, mathematically, more likely to lose than they are to win. A couple bad nights doesn't mean you shut down a blackjack table just because you're having a bad streak. It's the same thing in sports betting. It's not really about short-term wins and losses. It's about long-term. How does your process vet over the course of a season, a month, a couple years, whatever, right? It's about long-term, not short-term. And anybody, my dog, could win eight games in a row. That's why I think that we should all pump the brakes when we see these guys on Twitter or listen to radio shows or whatever, where they're bragging about how well they've done recently. It's like, so what? Anyone can get lucky short-term. If you're advertising an 8-0 run, you know, I think that's pretty hacky, you know, because again, flipping coins, sit down and flip a thousand coins during the day. You're going to get a lot of eight in a row for heads and tails, right? Does that mean that if you flip eight heads in a row, you suddenly have some, you know, gift of flipping heads? Or does that mean that's what the fucking luck says and you can make whatever out of it that you want to, right? Honestly, everyone out there betting, whether it's me, my dog, my sister, my mom, Everyone's going to go 50% over the course of the long run. It's very tough to beat that 2.4% that the house charges in terms of the VIG. So again, I just think it's important to do these deep dive shows, let you guys know what goes into our picks. Our, Our most popular shows are actually the weekend shows, our Saturday and Sunday podcasts, right? Because we do quick picks. We get in, give you guys our best bets, and then let you get about your weekend. But honestly, I believe that a lot of people like those shows because they understand how we do our job, how we handicap all of the work that goes into just handicapping one game, picking one game. So again, that's so important. Be careful where you get your information from, and I think it's important that we do these shows. Before we get going, this is a Woos Media Podcast. Uh, Check us out online, woosmedia.com. That's W-O-O-Z-E media.com. And look, for all the business owners out there or people who know business owners, Woos Media doesn't only do podcasting. They're one of the best at getting your business online, on social media, on apps, and getting in front of customers who you want your ads to be shown to. So, you know, it's really unique these days. You can say, I want... Uh, I want females 25 to 45 in this specific region only to get my ads. They can do that. They can direct who sees your ads, when they see them, and it's all for a very good price. Online, woosmedia.com. That's W-O-O-Z-E-media.com. 
All right, so the game we are handicapping today is the San Jose Sharks taking on the Arizona Coyotes. This game is tomorrow on Saturday, so we're handicapping this a day early. The opening or the line right now in the market is Arizona minus 130. I don't have an exact game time. It's early afternoon. Arizona is minus 130 hosting the San Jose Sharks. All right, so as you guys know, go back and listen to last Friday's show if you missed it. We gave a handicapping checklist. The first thing you do for any game you're going to handicap is to come up with a starting line. So our starting line here, based on our power ratings, and again, it's early in the year. So power ratings early in the season have to do with a blend of the last couple of years and then off-season moves. Did a new coach come in? Did they make any trades? Any new players coming in? How is this team going to be different from last year? And then we plug that all into our power ratings, and it spits out a nice little number for me. So I have as a starting line, I know it's going to seem high, I have Arizona minus 170 which equals about 63%. I have my final score, Arizona winning 3.17 to San Jose 2.43. That gives us an over-under of 5.61. So that's our starting our starting number. And then we take our mitigating information and we start to chip away. San Jose, let's look at what they did this offseason. San Jose uh, already, by the way, a very, very poor team last year. You know, they were the bottom of the barrel in a lot of team stats. Only a couple, uh, uh, Evander Kane and one other player from their first line was in the top 50 for any advanced statistics. The Eric Carlson had a bit of a down year. This is a team that has underperformed the last couple seasons, but really when you look at it, it's not a case of underperforming as much as it is. They just don't have a lot of talent on that roster. Now, they're going to be looking at a few new additions this year. Devin Dubnik, uh, Ryan Don, uh, uh, Ryan Donato, Patrick Marlowe, Matt Nieto. They got some good guys coming in. I expect the Sharks to take a step forward this year. So will they be as bad as they were last year? Pretty much bottom five in every major category, and bottom 10 in every efficiency category. They're not going to be that bad. But it does mean something losing Joe Thornton. You know, I, I don't put much into losing Aaron Dell. Carlson... Uh, Meckler, uh, Melker Carlson was a decent loss. They didn't lose Eric Carlson. So don't worry. The right Carlson stayed in town. I don't put too much into Dell and Carlson leaving at all. Joe Thornton was a presence in the locker room, you know, a, a captain of that team for so long. They will miss Joe Thornton, but obviously they've played one game so far. I don't know how much of an impact. So when you take all that into, into account, right? Uh, Donato, Dubnik, Marlo, Nieto joining San Jose, and pretty much the only major piece that's going to hurt them, at least short term, would be Joe Thornton leaving. You have to upgrade San Jose, and we did. I I, I upgraded San Jose. Uh, it was a pretty healthy upgrade, right? I wasn't just tweaking it here or there. I was saying, look, if anything, I want to overreact with the Sharks. I want to I want to overreact slightly and then pull it back if I did overreact. And the reason for that is actually. There's a lot of reasons for that, but the main one is that the market never overreacts, right? And I would rather overdo it than underdo it because the market's always, 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 whether it's football, basketball, baseball, hockey, soccer, tennis, golf, whatever, the market's always going to be slower to react. The market adjusts a little bit at a time until they decide they're at the right spot. The market never over-adjusts and under-adjusts and over. The market's usually very, very slow, linear. They make their changes at a slower pace. So if anything, I wanted to go above and beyond with San Jose. I wanted to to credit them a lot for bringing these guys in. And uh, their coach, Bob Bugner, which, by the way, 
I had to look this up. Bob Bugner. It is Bugner, which is a pretty funny last name as it is, but it's spelled B-O-U-G-H-N-E-R. <laughs> I'm going, before I knew I'm going, is it Bob Bonaire? Bob Boner? Bob, oh, it's Bob Bugner. <laughs> gotcha. And uh, honestly, I think this was a very interesting hire. There were a lot of coaches who would have come in and filled the the filled this team out well. You know, this is a young team. They they're getting rid of a lot of older pieces and they brought in in free agency a decent amount of guys who can contribute early on. And there were a decent amount of good head coaches out there who were available, but San Jose's uh, upper management saw something in Bootner. You know, he was an interim coach last year, one of the few interim coaches who actually got the job. And I'm I'm not sure why they did. Again, there were a lot of names out there. They didn't have to rush the decision, and they did. You know, they could have gone with Bryce Bordeaux, uh, G- Gallant, right? Gallant was out there, and uh, uh, Gerard Gallant. And again, maybe they saw something in Boogner they liked, but with all the other names that were available, it seemed like they rushed into it. But I'm not going to put too much into in, into the new coach. Maybe he'll make it work. Maybe he won't. But what we've seen is these young head coaches, uh, don't disrespect them coming into the league. It happened in Chicago. It happened in Nashville. It's happening here in San Jose. Sometimes these young coaches are just the mix-up and just the freshness that, that an organization needs. So while I would have upgraded San Jose if they would have gotten one or the other, you know, maybe more high-profile coaches, I don't think it's too much of a, uh, a negative factor for this team. Uh, moving on, in terms of the new additions this year, I expect Devin Dubnik to have a, a pretty big impact. You know, he was a goaltender, obviously, last couple of years in Minnesota. I think he underperformed. But now the one-two punch of uh, Devin Dubnik and uh, Martin Jones, hmm, it's interesting. You know, I think Dubnik should definitely be the starter. I have him ranked very, you know, much, much higher than, than Martin Jones. But I don't think this is one of the better teams in terms of goaltending. I think it's going to play out through the course of the season that this defense combined with this very lackluster goaltending. Look, I think Devin Dubnik was a band-aid. He's better than the options they had. He's better than Aaron Dell, but he's not a starter who I'm going to put all my eggs in his basket. And if you're a San Jose fan, you have to understand this is going to be another rebuilding year. I don't expect this team to make the playoffs or do much damage in their division. But again, they have a, a, a decent, you know, base to this team. Their first line, Timo Meyer, Lugan uh, uh, Couture. I think it's decent. Kevin LeBlanc, obviously the right wing. Second line, center Thomas Hurdle, you know, Evander Kane has improved as a right winger the last couple of years. So they have pieces. They just don't have the depth that I like when you're trying to you know see, is a team going to make the playoffs? Are they going to make a run in division? San Jose, uh, San Jose doesn't have those pieces. And again, on defense, Eric Carlson wasn't, he didn't have as bad a year last year as a lot of people may have you believe. You know, San Jose fans were quick to criticize Carlson. He didn't play that bad. You know, a lot of advanced stats, a lot of efficiency stats show he had one of the better years of his career. It's just he doesn't have any help. Now, Brent Burns actually may be a better defender than Eric Carlson overall, but they need more help in San Jose, certainly on defense. Uh, so that does it for a lot of the San Jose moves in the offseason. By the way, looking last year, they didn't have any players in the top 70 in expected points per game. Not a good team last year. They got a little bit better, but the question is, is it going to be enough to allow this team to come over the top, make some noise in their division, and make the playoffs? I don't believe so. Now, let's talk about the Arizona Coyotes, because they had a very interesting offseason themselves. Mainly, 
losing some big pieces. Taylor Hall, Carl Sauber, Brad Richardson, they are all gone. Derek Steppen, right? They're all gone. Most of those guys left in free agency. Uh, Derek Steppen was traded. But still, there are a couple holes that needed to be filled in Arizona. And luckily, they got some guys who I feel comfortable about doing that. John Hayden, Tyler Pitlick, uh, Johan, Johan Larson, uh, uh, Derek Broussard. They got some guys to come in. But I do believe Arizona will take a step back this year, at least a slight step back. And I think that step's going to come offensively because really... When you talk about Rick Tockett and his defense and these goaltenders, Arizona's got the best goaltending duo in the NHL for sure. Antti Ranta, Darcy Kemper, best combo, definitely. I would have argued the Islanders had a comparable goalie 1-2 until they traded uh, Thomas Grice to the to the Red Wings. Maybe they traded him, maybe he went in free agency. Either way, Thomas Grice and Semyon Varlamov last year was up there with Antti Ranta and Devin Dubnik. Uh, uh, or excuse me, um... Antti Ranta and Darcy Kemper, excuse me. Uh, but that's a very, very good goaltending duo. Defense should not take much of a step back. Again, it's 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 mainly going to be the offense with Arizona, and they weren't a great offensive team anyway last year. So the question is, can they fill in on the on defense and become a even more defensive-minded team to make up for the lack of goals, or did they underachieve last year so much that their lack of goals may be, or, or their, their lack of offense may not need to be adjusted because we could have expected a lot of those guys last year to have a better season this year. Taylor Hall, Carl Sodberg, Brad Richardson. Maybe we expected those guys to take another step up this year because they underperformed last year. So really, now that they're bringing in a couple guys who aren't to that level in Arizona, that doesn't necessarily mean the offense is getting worse. If they underperform last year, that could mean maybe around the same production this season. Now, I still did downgrade the Coyotes. It was a decent downgrade, not too much, but I also wasn't being very, very careful with them either, right? Because I think there is something to be said for these new guys coming in and that defense remaining uh, one of the better defenses, at least in the uh, uh, in their division. Uh, Darcy Kemper, Antti Ranta, like I said, best goaltending duo in hockey. I have Darcy Kemper as my number one overall goalie. Uh, we should talk quickly about Oliver Ekman Larson. Oliver Ekman Larson is the Joe Thornton of Arizona. You know, he's a leader. He's been in this team for a long time. He's a great two-way defender. You know, he's great on defense, but he scores as well on their power play unit. He makes his team go. A uh, bit of a struggle the first game. So if he bounces back, I expect Arizona to bounce back as well here on Saturday. Uh, looking at their overall depth, they did lose some depth. You know, their first line, not nearly as potent as it was last year. Their second line now has Phil Kessel, uh, Drake Kajula at left wing. This is not going to be a terrible offense, but I do think if they uh, repeat what they did last year, at least in terms of the first half of the season, they're going to have to find it on defense. Now, I I, I do want to say this. This just popped in my head. For some reason, when I did my NHL preview, I said they're playing 82 games. They're playing 52 games. It is a sprint to the finish line this year and so that that does matter for some of these teams like Arizona maybe Buffalo who start quick and slow that's gonna that's gonna mean a, a whole different outlook to the standings so it is important to get off to a fast start all right let's look at some of these team stats for last year again Arizona slight downgrade San Jose slight upgrade now given all that the upgrades the downgrades everything we talked about that actually uh, chips away the number a little bit, brings it back to San Jose's favor. Let's look at some stats last year. Uh, in terms of goals per game, 
San Jose 28th, Arizona 21st. Again, Arizona, not a great offensive team last year. They won with their defense like they're going to do again this season. In terms of goals allowed per game, San Jose 27th, Arizona 3rd. Very good defense. That's partly due to the goaltending in uh, mindset. When you look at the power play unit, San Jose 23rd, Arizona 18th, right there middle of the league for each. You know, San Jose certainly worse than average. Arizona right around average. Nothing great in terms of scoring on the power play. But when you look at the penalty kill, San Jose last year was number one in the NHL. Arizona, number four in the NHL. Now with Arizona, a defensive team, stresses defense. This is what we expect them to really kill power plays Uh, Again, number four in the penalty kill is what we would expect for an Arizona team. San Jose had the least opportunities of anyone last year. And honestly, I know that this is sort of, uh, this goes against what a lot of true math heads would say, but I think that that was a lot of luck. You know, I don't have a luck factor to, to plug in here for San Jose, but there's no way. They had the best penalty-killing unit all in the NHL last year. Now, you may say, well, Tyler, why do you say Arizona's luck at number one? and, Sa- and uh, Or excuse me, why do you say San Jose's luck at number one and Arizona's not lucky at number four? Again, we expected this from Arizona. They've done this year after year, the style that Rick Tockett, uh, Rick Tockett uh, employs, the kind of defense they play, the defenders they have, the goalies they have. We expect that from Arizona. San Jose, again, the least amount of opportunities of any NHL team last year. Not a very good defense. Goaltending, which may have gotten a little better by adding Dubnik, but this is not the best penalty-killing unit in hockey. Small sample size will give you strange numbers, and sometimes you have to decipher which are the true numbers and which aren't. And I don't think San Jose will even finish in the top half of the NHL this year in penalty kills. I, I, I strongly believe that. And I think in Arizona, for them to finish a top five penalty kill team should be realistic, for sure. So when you look at special teams, there's a lot of skewed factors that are plugged in from last year, and we are overlooking a few of those. Now, overall, like I said, we did upgrade San Jose, did downgrade Arizona. What is our final number here? Our final number for this game is Arizona minus 153, which equals about 60.5%. What we did in our mitigation process was take down Arizona's winning percentage by about 2.5%. That's a big adjustment. We went from 63% to 60.5%, okay? That is pretty big. So keep in mind, moving from minus 170 to minus 153, just because we're downgrading Arizona from our initial number, that doesn't mean a damn thing. What matters is what the market is charging. So when we have our final number of minus 153 for Arizona, we pull up our sports book and see what are they charging for Arizona. And right now, the Coyotes are minus 130. So if we have minus 153, which equals 60.5%, or it implies a 60.5% win percentage, and the market is charging Arizona minus 130, which implies a 56.5% win percentage, that means we have, theoretically, a 4% edge on this bet. And a 4% edge on any bet is certainly enough to pull the trigger. I I like to say right around a half percent to 1% is where you want to start looking to, to, to make the bet. But I always all incorporate a margin of error. What if I was off by 1% or 2%? What would that mean? You know, If we're projecting a 1% edge in a bet and I have a 1.5% margin of error, that may mean we're making a losing bet. 
But if we have a 4% edge in a bet like we do this game, and I still have a 1.5% margin of error, that means the absolute worst edge we're working with for this bet is a 2.5% edge, which is about 500% better than blackjack, okay? Than, than what the house, you know, the house edge for blackjack is. So I like Arizona. That's our pick for the week for uh, Saturday. Arizona minus one thirty. And yes, again, a lot of that has to do with just the market price. I think it's simply too cheap. This isn't a huge fade of San Jose or I don't love Arizona this year. Big play on the Coyotes. It's simple. Our math disagreed. When we did a deep dive and, and, and figured out all the mitigating factors, I wanted to see, would we get to where the market is by mitigating? And we certainly, we mitigated a lot, but not enough, nearly enough to bring it down to where this wouldn't be a good bet. I think we've got around a 4% edge given margin of error. That's anywhere from 2.5 to 5.5% edge for this bet. Let's go Coyotes. Hope they cash tomorrow. And hopefully whatever you guys have today, tomorrow, good luck. We'll talk to you on Saturday's Quick Picks on The Sharp Angle.